Good morning. My name is Jacob Stott. I'll tell you a little bit more about myself. So why you turn to Psalm 134. It's on page 519 in your pew Bibles, if you're using one of those. So I'm not sure exactly when I started coming to Joy, because I first started attending 678, and I did not tell the truth about my age. I may have been in fifth grade. I may have been in sixth grade. I'm not positive. I just know Steve Lescure was in high school. He was one of the leaders, and Jason wasn't married yet. So it was a while ago. Uh, I came back three years ago and became a member shortly thereafter, Uh, and it's a pleasure being back and seeing how God has grown everyone here who has remained, so that is a huge blessing. Psalm 134, a song of ascents. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the myriad of blessings that we have received, Lord. Just the grace that you have given us to come here today, to sing truths of your word, to fellowship together, Lord, and hear the word proclaimed. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, that in this time, we would be ready to be transformed by your word, to look more and more like your son, Lord. That we would not just bear the name Christians culturally, Lord, but that we would truly be representatives, Lord, that we would look like you on this earth. And we thank you for your grace, Lord, because we know we fail at that. But we come here, Lord, to hear your word proclaimed and that you have given Larry the words to say now, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, has worked in him And your spirit works in us to be transformed. We thank you for this wonderful blessing. And it's all due to your son, Lord, to the Holy Spirit, Lord, to the Father's prayer. We praise the God three in one. Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Not looking looking for a show of hands right now, but um, I wonder how many of you came in this morning and you glanced at the order of worship that's printed there in the bulletin, and you saw at the end of the service, after this time here in the Word, we're going to be singing the beauty of this man. And just there was something, maybe it came out verbally, or just maybe in your soul, yes, love that song. Uh, We do love that song, and with, with good reason. And whether you experienced that little thing this morning as you came in, I think you have maybe experienced something like this in the past, that that closing song in our worship gathering every week is, uh, it's a big one. It's an important one. Now, that sounds maybe silly to say, because it's not like there's any of them that are unimportant. Uh, And we do, we who are involved regularly in planning of the services, we do labor uh, to make every aspect from the time that we're welcomed and called to worship to the time that uh, we are blessed with God's benediction at the end of the service. We do labor to make every part of the service strengthening to you, encouraging to you. But, but I, I would say over my, in my years here, there's a special thoughtfulness and attention to what that last song uh, might be. We're, we're coming to the end of our 
time together. We have, at least we hope and we pray, we've tasted something of uh, that sweetness, that goodness that it speaks of even in Psalm 133, that goodness and pleasantness of dwelling together in unity, worshiping the Lord. And uh, we're now just about to be sent out into this world, a world of uncertainties, a world of tribulations and difficulties. And, and we're longing to go out into the world with strength, with assurance, uh, with renewed hope and confidence that his grace will supply us with everything that we need for what lies ahead in this new week. Uh, now, our entire, ga- our entire gathering is to help us to that end, but that last note, that last song that we sing uh, plays, I think, a special role in our going out from this place. And, and that dynamic that, I, that I've tried to just explain to you, that, I think, sums up the setting of this uh, psalm that Jake just read to us, Psalm 134. Uh, it is the final of the Psalms of Ascent, it's this collection of 15 psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, and we've been looking at them off and on for the past several years, really. We, we'll do a few, and then we'll come back to them several months later, and this is the last one in the, uh, the Psalms of Ascent. It's the last one in the collection in the psalm book. Uh, it's the last one in this series of sermons. And by now, I do trust that you know, but I'm going to just tell you one more time that these songs were most likely uh, psalms that were sung by the people of God who would be journeying as pilgrims, who would be traveling from their homes, wherever they were, up to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem sat atop a mountain, and so you were always going up to Jerusalem. And so these pilgrims at three different times in the year would travel up to Jerusalem. And these Psalms of Ascent were uh, most likely, that's the way most commentators understand them, to be the Psalms specifically that would be on the mouths of God's people as they were journeying to uh, Jerusalem. And whereas the first of these Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120, we actually looked at that one just a couple of weeks ago, the first one has the setting of, of spiritual estrangement and, and desolation amongst these savages. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Meshech and Kedar. By the time we get to Psalm 134, we, we've, we've come all the way from those faraway regions of spiritual desolation to the temple itself. The, the people here in Psalm 134 have completed their journey. They are in the temple. They are... Uh, addressing the servants of the Lord, who are the, the priests and the attendants serving the temple in worship. And in turn, they are sent on their way with uh, a benediction from the Lord. As joyous as it has been for them to be in the house of the Lord, their time in Zion must come to an end. They don't live there and so they must go back to their homes until the next festival bids them to come and make this journey once again. Uh, Charles Spurgeon envisions what the scene might have been like, the setting that is taking place here in Psalm 134. He says, the pilgrims are going home and are singing the last song in their Psalter. They leave early in the morning before the day has fully commenced, for the journey is long for many of them. While yet the night lingers, they are on the move. 
As soon as they are outside the gates, they see the guards upon the temple wall and the lamps shining from the windows of the chambers which surround the sanctuary. Therefore, moved by the sight, they chant a farewell to the perpetual attendance upon the holy shrine. Their parting exhortation arouses the priests to pronounce upon them a blessing out of the holy place. The priests, as good as say, you have desired us to bless the Lord, and now we pray the Lord to bless you. And, and, and that's the key note that we have here in this psalm, right? It is the note of blessing. Uh, three times in this little psalm, one in each verse, there's that reference to the word blessing. As, as the pilgrims have been in the holy city of God, Mount Zion, and as they now prepare to return to the challenges of their daily lives, the impression that's been left on their souls is one of blessing. Now, let me just read the words to you again because it's such a short psalm. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. It's a song of blessing. And to help us think about this song of blessing, I I want you to observe specifically uh, two things. First, the servant the servants of the Lord are called to bless the Lord. That's what we have there in verses 1 and 2. The servants of the Lord are called to bless the Lord. And then secondly, the Lord blesses each and every one of his servants from Zion. That's verse 3. There's note-taking happening, so I will just say that again. Craig, you might be the only one, but you're right in front of me. So I... The, ser- the servants of the Lord are called to bless the Lord. That's verses 1 and 2. The servants of the Lord are called to bless the Lord. And the Lord blesses each of his servants from Zion. That's verse 3. So the, the psalm begins, come. Depending on the translation that you have in front of you, it might say, behold. I think that actually might be a, a better translation of this particular word. It's a call to attention. Uh, Literally, at the most basic level, the word means hear. The idea, I think, is look, pay attention, take heed, listen up. And, And those who are the recipients of that call to pay attention, listen up, take heed, are the servants of the Lord. And as as I mentioned in that little picture that Spurgeon painted for us, the People being referred to are the ministers, the guards, the attendants and priests who were engaged in the ministry within the temple, even by night. That's why we're told there in verse 1 that it's the servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Uh, Even before the temple was completed, uh, we're told in the book of Deuteronomy that the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. And that's what the Levitical priests, that's what the attendants uh, did. They would be uh, blessing the Lord. They would be, we're told in First Chronicles, standing every morning, thanking and praising the Lord, and likewise at evening, and whenever burnt offerings were offered to the Lord on the feast days. 
So the, the reference here to the servants of the Lord is what we might refer to today as those who are in the ministry. These pilgrims who have made the journey to Zion and have benefited from the labors of those ministering in the house of the Lord, now upon their departure, upon their return home, they see the night attendants in the temple continuing in their labors and having been blessed by their labors, they are compelled to urge, to exhort those who are going to remain in service at the Lord's house to continue on in the good work that they are engaged in. Look, listen up. You, it's a, I mean, it's a strong word. The, the, the people of God are preaching to the preachers as it were. Listen up, you servants of the Lord. Bless the Lord. Do it, do it with humble and holy hearts. I, I think that's what's being referred to in verse 2 when it speaks of them lifting up their hands to bless the Lord. To, to lift up the hands, uh, we see in Psalm 28, verse 2, is, a, is a, a mark of submission and surrender. And, and also we understand this, this picture is a picture of celebration. We all, a lot of people over at Lincoln Financial Field today, hopefully, they hope at least, doing this kind of thing after a touchdown, rejoicing. That's not why I'm wearing green today. I just happened to put this on. I almost regretted wearing it after I put it on, but I was like, I'm just going to keep it. Um, praise the Lord. The, the, the priests are being exhorted. Praise the Lord. Bless his name. Don't just, don't just go through the motions. What you're doing is of eternal importance. So, so put your heart into it. Bless the Lord. Give him the praise that he is due. That's what it means to bless the Lord. That may be kind of a strange way. We don't tend to think, I, don't, I mean, it's in the Psalms that we sang it, bless the Lord, O my soul. But typically when we think of blessing, we think of God's blessing us. By which we mean in some way he is strengthening us, he's helping us, he's making us better off. And we can't bless the Lord that way. Right? I mentioned that earlier from Acts chapter 17. God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. He's the one who gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. We can't bless him in the sense of making him stronger or helping him out in some way where he needs a little nudge or something. When it speaks of us blessing the Lord, it means to praise him. It means to recognize him as, as we sang earlier, the fountain of every blessing and honor him and praise him as the bountiful, bountiful blesser of all that we have. And so it says in Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. To bless the Lord is to speak well of the Lord. That's what the word benediction literally means. It means a good word. It means to speak well of. To bless the Lord is to speak well of him, to declare his excellencies, to praise him as the fountain of every blessing. And this is what the people of God, those departing pilgrims, are summoning the ministers of God who will continue to stand in attendance to the worship of God and the word of God. Even as the pilgrims are returning to their daily lives, their work will continue on. And so they exhort the priests, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Don't allow your service of the Lord to become a merely professional mechanical thing, not just tasks and to-dos that need to be taken care of, but worship the Lord. 
And I do believe there's something here for us to learn from that. Uh, You might wonder, what does this have to do with us? That's wonderful history about Israel and the temple and the Levites and the priests. We don't have, we're not in a, we're not in the temple in Israel. We're not making pilgrimage to Israel. I know some of you are planning a trip to Israel, but uh, there's no Levites. We're not in Jerusalem. What does this have to do with us? Well, uh, that's true. There are not priests uh, in the same way that there were in Uh, Israel's day. We know on this side of the cross of our Lord Jesus that he has become, he is the final and great high priest who has once for all uh, made a sacrifice by which all can draw near freely to God through faith in Christ. He is the great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. There's always songs, always more songs that we could sing on a Sunday morning. But we do know that Jesus himself, that great high priest, has given the church uh, leaders to help the church in their worship and in their living lives that are pleasing to God. We call them pastors and, and elders. Jesus gave the church. He gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip the saints for ministry. So even though we don't have priests engaged in the kind of worship that Israel's priests were engaged in, we do have, even in this church, we do have those who are set apart to devote themselves full-time to ministry. And it is possible to be in ministry, to be serving regularly in the house of the Lord, as it were, and to lose the, the glow and the passion of praise in a heart, even as one is very busy serving the Lord and his people. Uh, Here's how one pastor that I know of put this to his congregation a few years back in announcing to his congregation his resignation from the work of ministry. It, It was not acrimonious. This was not combative. This brother continued on as a member of the church where he was pastoring. He just no longer was pastoring. And when he explained this to his congregation, he was referring to 1 Peter 5, verse 2, where it speaks of how pastors are to do the work of shepherding eagerly and willingly and not under compulsion. And he said to his congregation, this verse has resonated in my soul for quite some time now. For while I certainly love the church dearly and enjoy serving with the other elders, the last two and a half years has taken a considerable toll on me and my family. In the midst of it, I found myself wrestling with my own low affections for the Lord and an increasing lack of delight in much of the work of pastoral ministry. In other words, a willing mind that takes pleasure in the work, again, referring to 1 Peter 5.2, has not been my recent experience. That's the testimony of one brother that I'm aware of, but I know there are many other such stories. Uh, And I can certainly say that I have known some of that experience myself. And so I hope that you can see what a valuable ministry it is to the ministers when the people of God exhort the ministers of God to keep on blessing the Lord. God is worthy, pastor, And your labors matter, pastor. So keep on blessing his great and holy name. It could sound like this. This is a message that was sent, a text message that was sent to Jason uh, and me uh, two Fridays ago by a member of this church who was in the neighborhood. 
As I go by the Hope House this evening, I am grateful to see my pastors at work and reminded of your faithfulness to our Lord and his bride at joy, praying that you are both encouraged that the work you do is not in vain and that the Lord uses you to care for his body well. It could sound like that. Or it could sound like this, a message that I received just this past Monday from a member who wasn't able to be present with us in our worship last Sunday. Got this message on Monday morning. Just finished listening to your sermon from yesterday. I would never be able to read that psalm and be so encouraged to walk by faith and not by sight. Thanks for doing all that digging. That was uplifting for me and I'm sure many others. Bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord. Keep on blessing the Lord. Your labor matters. Exhortations like that, encouragements like that, uh, put wind in the sails of a pastor's soul. It's an awkward thing to be teaching about. But you know what? I just went for the gusto because you're not going to hear me preaching again till June. It's just I was not expecting to find this in Psalm 134. But there it is. Um, Certainly we who serve the Lord in ministry are to be doing all of our work unto the Lord. But the fact that there are calls in the scriptures to encourage one another does seem to imply that the Lord expects that though we are to do everything for him, it is helpful to know that other people are encouraging you along the way. And so I, I would like to encourage you to that good work, brothers and sisters. Uh, it does happen. I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I just gave you two examples of how it happens. Uh, but I would say, and I'll just speak for a moment specifically about the sermon, because that's the thing that I labor in quite a bit here. Um, I would just say most of the people, most of the time who gather here have, have no word at all with reference to the sermon. Um, and we could go out to eat at a restaurant and a waiter could come and pour water into our cup to top it off and we would say thank you. But many, many, many weeks go by and there's not a word spoken about the sermon from many people much of the time. And uh, so I, I just, and, and, I, and you know what? Let me just put the camera on myself for just a moment. I, I was convicted that I don't do this particularly well. And so I made a resolution, and I'll just ask you if you want to maybe join me in the resolution. Again, I will not be the beneficiary of this instruction for several months now. Uh, Jason will, Jeff will, others who will be here will. But I just made a resolution as I was thinking about these things that till, and, and, and again, I'm just telling you now, this is my commitment, till I'm dead and with the Lord. I will not listen. I will not sit in a church, whether it's this church or another church that I'm visiting. I will not sit in the church and listen to a man labor to bring God's word to me without, after the service, giving him some specific word of thanks and encouragement about how his labors have been a help to my soul. That's just a commitment that I'm making. And I believe that others would be uh, well served by us corporately making that kind of a commitment. And I would encourage you now, I'm moving on from the awkward thing of instructing the church. It's awkward, but it actually shouldn't be awkward because part of my job is to teach you. Uh, Ryan, I think you texted this last night, didn't you, to us about teaching 
people to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And that's part of the work of pastors is to help teach us to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And Jesus, through Paul, did teach the Thessalonians and us by application that we would respect those who labor among us and are over us in the Lord and that we would highly esteem them in love. And I'm just telling you, this is one way that you could consider doing that. But let me move on from the words about pastoral ministry, and let's think specifically about uh, all the other kinds of ministry that takes place. I'm talking about the thing that, that I give myself to a lot, but there's a whole lot of exhorting and encouraging to bless the Lord that can happen to a whole lot of people in this church who are devoted to ministry, like those who are our worship leaders. That's a hard, you know, it's a hard thing to stand up here because if you think everybody's heart that comes up here, we're just always brimming with delight in the Lord. And we've always had a wonderful week and a wonderful morning. If you just had that thought, I will disabuse you of that thought now. I'm not saying I know what your day was like. I know what your day was like this morning. But, it, but, you, but when you're up here, you feel like you have to be on. And we're not always on. They're not always on. And they need encouragement. They, they come up here saying they don't, under, they don't know. They don't necessarily have a perception of what the Lord's doing through their labors. And they will be helped as you encourage them. Whether it's before the service that you're praying for them. That you're praying for their purity and their sincerity of their worship. Or afterwards as you're giving them thanks for the labors that they engage in. To lead us, to help us give great praise to our blessed God. Or Sunday school teachers, or children's workers, or nursery workers, or the tech support team, or greeters, or our deacons, or our lay elders. Our lay elders are amazing. You are an amazing man, Dan Bowers, and you are an amazing man, Matt Hartel, and Jeff's not here bivocationally. Craig Smith is an amazing, these are amazing men, and let me just tell you why. We don't always, they're not amazing because we always agree. We love each other. We respect each other. Sometimes we have hard conversations. But these three men specifically, they labor in full-time jobs outside of the church. And then after that, they give themselves, and the, night, the nights get long sometimes. But they're laboring for the good of the congregation. Encourage them in the work of blessing the Lord. Your labors before the king of glory matter. Keep up the good work in the strength that he supplies. And even more broadly, this encouragement really is due to every single saint who has been called to the ministry by virtue of their being rescued from their sins and brought into Christ's service. Are you familiar with what Peter writes to the elect exiles in the first century? He said to all those Christians, he said, as you come to him... A living, as you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' grace, every child of God has become a priest in God's house. I appeal to you, brothers, Paul said in Romans 12, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is what Christ ransomed us for, that we might be priests to our God. Revelation 5, verse 10. 
We, we, you and I, when we had the audacity to think that we could be our own God and live to rule and exalt ourselves, when we were sinners, when he should have killed us eternally for our rebellion and sin against him, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live the life that we have failed to live. And he was murdered on the cross, dying a death that we deserved and rising from the, get, the dead Sending his spirit so that we, by faith in him, might be called out of darkness into his marvelous light, no longer destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus and empowered, clothed with his spirit that we might serve and represent him. He's done that for all of us. And, and we all have reason to praise the Lord then. We have reason to bless the Lord. But sometimes, saints, we get tired doing it. Moms, do you get tired with raising the kids and changing the diapers and doing discipline for the sixth time that day? It gets tiring. We lose sight of what we're doing. And so we need encouragement to bless the Lord. We all need encouragement to bless the Lord. That's what we're, do that's what we're doing here. That's why we come to church. Kids, kids. All the kids, you're listening to me, kids. Have you ever wondered, why do we go to church every week? Why do we do that? Maybe you just love coming to church, and that's a wonderful thing, but maybe you just wonder, like, what, what, are we do that, what are we doing here? Here's the passage in the Bible that explains to us most clearly what we're doing here and why we do this every week. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Kids, when we come to church, it's like we're having a, an encouragement party. I don't know if it feels that way. Adults, I don't know if it feels that way. That, and it doesn't always have to feel that way. It's not always about how we feel. We're to live by faith, not by feelings. But we're here to have a big encouragement party every Lord's Day. On that day that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the grave, like let's get together, let's bless his name, and let's build each other up and encourage one another. And we all need it. So this is something that you all can pray and think about in the week ahead. How can I stir up my pastors? How can I stir up all my brothers and sisters to love Christ more deeply, to, to know him more deeply, to praise him more richly, to obey him more joyfully, to trust him more steadfastly, to share his word more boldly, to wait on him and hope in him more eagerly. It'd just be something good to think about. How can, I, how can I be more faithful doing that? While I'm on sabbatical, please do praying for me. Please do be praying that I would grow in being an encouraging member of the body of Christ. I'm painfully aware of my shortcomings in that area, and I want to do better. But that's why we church. That's why we assemble together to urge and exhort each other through all that we do here to keep on blessing the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And as we labor to that end... God's word encourages his pilgrim people that as we go on our way, we go in the assurance of the Lord's rich and bountiful blessing upon us. A fear not, dear saints, point two will be a little shorter. Now, point number two, the Lord blesses each and every one of his servants from Zion. 
May the Lord bless you. So the pilgrims have done their exhorting work. They're, they're seeing on their way out back to their homes. They're seeing the night attendants. They're exhorting those attendants. Keep on blessing the Lord. Keep blessing the Lord. And the priests now call back. They respond back to the departing pilgrims. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. I wonder if you've ever had a time at a, at a conference or a retreat or, or maybe on a Sunday morning. Sometimes people call it a mountaintop experience, spiritually, where your heart is just so, so full of the reality and the weight, the goodness of God. His presence and his glory just seems so tangible and and alive in your soul. And you just, you just couldn't bear to see that time end. So like a little taste of heaven. Well, that's, that's what these pilgrims maybe were experiencing in, in Mount Zion. I mean, literally, they were on a mountain. <laughs> in the temple, the worship of God. But now, it's time to go back home. They're leaving Jerusalem. It's back to reality. It's back to the real world. And so the Lord's servants, having been themselves exhorted to bless the Lord by the departing pilgrims, now bless the pilgrims in the Lord's name. Oh, Lord, grant from Zion that same fellowship and favor that they have come to Zion for. Help them to know that as they go, that blessing remains on them from Zion. As the pilgrims go back into the cares and concerns of their world, they may be departing the location, the physical location of God's favor and blessing, but his blessing would remain upon them. May the Lord bless you. And all the commentators, the reason why I made this, this, this uh, point, each and every one of you, is because every commentator that I consulted made note of the fact that this word you in verse 3, may the Lord bless you, is a singular you. We don't see a difference in English, okay? But in Hebrew, there's a way to distinguish a plural you from a singular you. And this is a singular you. May the Lord bless you, each and every one of you, from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Blessed, blessing. That word is so watered down today. It's watered down by false teachers who, who tell the, church, the, the churches that if they just believe and, and have enough faith, God will bless them with material health and wealth. It's, it's, it's watered down in the, you know, hashtag blessed. You just tweet that and someone's going to say if the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl, oh, hashtag blessed. The Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. When we speak of being blessed, the Lord blessing you, we're not talking about material prosperity. We're talking about the joy and the contentment that is birthed in all those who come to know and enjoy God's gracious favor. That's what it means to be blessed. It is not some blanket promise that all of your circumstances and uh, personal desires will be fulfilled, but it is a promise that the rich favor of God's presence and faith will be with you everywhere in everything. I, I wonder if when you, when you hear Psalm 134.3, the Lord bless you, does that make you think of another passage of scripture? 
Number six, yes. Number six, this wonderful blessing where the Lord tells his priests, this is how I want you to bless my people. And I would just pause for a moment and to say, this is the thing that got me most in all my preparation this week. This is the kind of God that we have. He wants, he, he says to his ministers, his priests, I want you to bless my people. I want them to know that I'm blessed. This is how I want you to bless them. He's an eager blesser. His eyes, 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might give strong support to those whose hearts are whole toward him. He wants his people to know that he's a God of blessing. Bless my people, he said to the priest. And the blessing is this. The Lord bless you and keep you. This is Numbers chapter 6. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So, the Lord said, they shall put my name upon the people Israel and I will bless them. Praise his name indeed. And we have all the more reason to praise him than those saints in the Old Testament did because we have seen more vividly than these pilgrims leaving from Zion and from the mountain of Jerusalem. We know that those, that grace that Israel's priests spoke of and that they foreshadowed in the earthly temple through the endless animal sacrifices, we know that that grace has been finally fulfilled and realized in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way, every, every priest stands daily at his service. Every priest stands daily, day and night, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Is the wages of sin, the wages of our preference to exalt ourselves over and above the God who made us and sustains us with life and breath and everything, the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from the good and bountiful blessed God and all his favor and blessing. But even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Covenant, God had showed his people that he was a God of grace and he appointed these sacrifices that would be performed, these animal sacrifices, which did not put away sin by themselves, but they were pointing towards that one perfect sacrifice that the Lord Jesus would accomplish for us as he willingly gave his life to cleanse us from our sin, to endure the curse of sin on behalf of all who would trust in him so that we might enjoy the eternal blessing of God in God. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. All the blessings of God, all the promises of God have come to all those trusting in Jesus because of him, because of Jesus. And so Jesus, 
having been raised from the grave, victorious over sin and death and hell for all who have trusted in him. When he departed from his disciples, this is a little passage at the end of Luke's gospel that you could easily just pass over because it's it's after Luke's great commission, as it were. But it says the very end of Luke's gospel is he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Jesus is the blessing of God coming down to us. Jesus is the mountain of Zion coming and meeting us with his blessing. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. If you're here this morning and you, and you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, you said, what, what, you're talking a lot. What, what, am I, what are you going to do with this? What, what we would call you to this morning is to recognize that you have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And you have worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who blessed you, who made you. And that's evil. And you deserve to die because of that. But we come to you not just with bad news but with wonderful news, with good news, that God is a God rich in mercy. And for those who have hated him, who have scorned his way, who have lived for themselves rather than for the one who made them, he is willing to show pardon through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you are here still living for yourself, turn from that sin today and receive the sacrifice of Jesus as your salvation and he will bring you into his family and he will cover you with his blessing. Brothers and sisters in Christ, redeemed by Jesus, relying on Jesus, we are sent out from this holy place into that that dark wilderness of Meshech and Kedar. But we are sent out with a confidence and an assurance that all of the gracious blessing that is ours in Christ, the blessing of the God of Zion, rests upon each and every one of you, his servants. As, as you go today, I just can't do this with every single person, but as you go today, Dick and Joan Widener, the Lord will bless you, Dick and Joan Widener. He will keep you, Dick and Joan Widener. He will make his face to shine upon you, Dick and Joan Widener. Melanie Santangelo, because of the God who loves you, he will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's who he is. I could just do this for a long time. Ryan and Kayla Elwell, as you you go from here, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, go in the assurance that the Lord will exalt you in due time. He will do that for you. Frank and Donna, let go. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, Frank and Donna. He will be with you. Donnelly Milner, will, may the God who withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly, may he equip you, Donna, Donnelly, with every good thing that you may serve and glorify him. We could go on, but you get it. We all, we all know this blessing. All of us who trust in Jesus, we go forth from this place 
resting in the blessing of God. All right, I should wrap it up. Can I just encourage you as we, clo- as we close to just look, could you just look around the room for a moment? Just look at what I've been looking at for the last 40 minutes or so. Just, just look around, deal with the awkwardness of that, but just look around for a minute. I know it's a bit awkward, but if you would just look around at, at what's happening here, in one sense, this is not looking all that impressive. I didn't think that that was, would you just hear me out? Okay, I'm not done. I said I was getting ready to close. I'm not closed just yet. That, okay, let's, I'm not going to say, we're, this is not very impressive. Let's close in prayer. That was not where I was going with that. Man, it looks, it looks rather paltry compared to the kind of gathering that's going to be taking place over in South Philadelphia in a couple of hours. We don't have any fireworks going up here. We've got 80,000 people screaming and cheering. It's a little bit of a shabby-looking group compared to what it's going to look like over there. But listen, this is where, okay, listen, listen, listen to this part, please. We are united right now by faith in Christ, who is before the throne of God leading the worship for the people of God. We're about to come up, we're about to sing, about to sing that song you love to sing, and it's not actually Stephanie Long who's going to be leading us. It's the Lord Jesus himself who is our worship leader. The world cannot really understand what is happening when we come together in Jesus' name, but I pray that you do. We are not just worshiping at 309 Florence Avenue in Pittman this morning because Jesus Christ himself is offering up our worship by the Spirit of God before God the Father in heaven, and it is pleasing in his sight. That is not just me trying to End the sermon with some powerful rhetorical flourish, speaking to first century pilgrims, wearied by the cost of following Jesus, the writer of Hebrews said this for their encouragement. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What's happening right here is far more thrilling than anything that you're going to watch on television, or maybe you happen to have a privileged ticket to, one of the, to that game. This is a much better place to be, beloved. We do not need to make a pilgrimage to Lincoln Financial Field. We do not need to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to taste glory, because in Jesus, we have already come spiritually to the true Mount Zion. Our Savior has gone before us, and one day, soon and very soon, the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven like a bride prepared for her husband, and he will make all things new, and all of God's people from all time will be together, and our faith will become sight, and all our prayer will turn to praise. Don't you long for that day? We're not there yet. But by his grace, one day we will be. And all the way on our journey there, we are covered in the blessing of God. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you, each and every one of you from Zion. Love you, brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for such a hope. We thank you for such blessing. Would you help us to know more and more of what it means to be the blessed of the Lord, 
in Christ you have given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we've just begun to experience what that is like. We want to know more of that experience of walking in and living in your blessing. We would not allow false teachers to deprive us of the joy of knowing rightly what it means to be your blessed people. Help us to know your blessing. Help us to walk in your blessing and help us to pass on that blessing to one another with rich and regular encouragements to keep on blessing the Lord. May we do this for your glory and praise, for surely you are worthy of it. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.